Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right. Absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 773rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Greg Peterson coming to you from Urban Farm U, and I am here with Ms. Janice. Hello, Janice. Hello, Greg. Long time no see. (laughs) We've been on meetings all day today, so that's the joke there. All right, tonight we are talking about seed journaling, and this is definitely a topic not for me, so I had to bring in somebody that knew about this, Miss Janice. So here you go. Do you recall when you planted those seeds that worked really well? How about the ones that struggled last year? What if there was a way to figure out when certain seeds work better that was specific to your garden? All it does is take practice, but seed journaling can give you a tremendous benefit. Let's review some of the helpful tips and tricks to make it work. Let's jump in, Ms. Janice. Where are we going? First off, thank you for Bill for suggesting that I do this topic. He knows how much I enjoy this and I know that he can't make it tonight. So I get to step in and help out. So when you're thinking about recording data in your journals for for future reference, the big question is why would you do that? Why do you need to do that? And how do you get started? Those are some big questions. One of the things that you can do to help you realize what you need to do is think about what significant events happen in your garden or in your orchard that might be worth remembering in one, two, three, 10 years to come. Now, I have ADD. I will remember a whole lot of things, but my significant challenge is remembering the timeline of when things happen. I can find stuff, all sorts of stuff. Greg will text, text me and he's what kind of, where's this one specific piece of data? I'm like, I got it, it's here. Mm. But remembering the timeline is a struggle for me. So journaling is important for me so I can go back and remember. That's why we have, when we work on our projects, we have all of that content in our agenda that just keeps feeding on itself because 
I'll go back and look, okay, September this year, last year, the year before that, what am I looking at for what we're working on? Lisa actually says first frost. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are looking at this and you're in a whole new location I am with a whole new set of information that you're going to want to start journaling because as the years come forward, you're going to go, wait a minute, when was the first frost? It's not something that's in, you know ingrained for you. You're going to mm-hmm. have to remember that. So the very first thing is significant weather events. First frost, last frost, heat waves, big storms in the Southwest. We've got haboobs. When do the haboobs show up? When do tornadoes show up? When do different big thunderstorms happen? And how much rain did you get? I'm talking yeah. about rain. I've got one. Oh, yeah. And this is just occurring for me right this moment. I do journal. I journal religiously. How much rain you get. Exactly. On rainlog.org. If there's rain that falls on this property, and I've been doing this since 2014 when I discovered it in Phoenix, and it's called rainlog.org. So That's beautiful. And now you've got more to actually record than you ever did in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, when we're working with that kind of data, and if you are somebody like me who struggles Try as I might, the word journaling is a trigger for me. And I don't journal. I don't put personal content down on paper. I am so bad at keeping a diary. I had big brothers who went in and they, my, my diary was not sacred. So I don't journal. And I can't journal now if I use the word journaling. But what words do I use, it, Craig? Data. Yes. Oh, yes. You are a data collector. I love data. I love data. And I I love going back and looking it up. In fact, I just recently did a project for our fruit tree crew and figured out how many people we've had over the last several years. So when you are going to start doing, if that is a trigger, if you struggle journaling, find out what does work for you. Does journaling work or does data collection work? Mm -hmm. Does seed saving work? Does seed success work? What are my successes? Start with something that'll work for you. Mm -hmm. And then you can record things like, what else is important when you're trying to start plants grade? Water. Water. And what else? You can record when you're getting water, how much you're getting water. Soil temperature. That was the one I was looking for. Soil temperature is key to when your ground, especially in certain areas, is ready for your starts. And if and if you get used to it, you can maybe even do a little spreadsheet. You know that your stuff's going to be harvesting. You want it to harvest at a certain time. You can backdate. You can plan ahead. Pests. Greg, what kind of pests are you experiencing now that you haven't had? Before? <laughs> So I've said this multiple times in the past year and a half, the pest pressure in Phoenix is non-existent as compared to here. We have butterflies and moths that lay thousands of caterpillars on our brassicas. We've got uh, some kind of malaise that eats the tomato plants from the ground up. It's a fungus or something like that. Interestingly enough, the... Tomatoes that are growing wild 
Mm -hmm. I'll tell that story in a little while, but the tomatoes that are growing wild are making the most tomatoes and the plants are thriving. So I'm watching those tomatoes to see what what's happening for them and why they're not getting this. Are you writing it down anywhere? I have um, notes someplace. Grab I, those I, notes and throw them in a little book and just start trying to date those notes. If you're the kind of person that writes something down on, on a little piece of paper, date it and throw it in a book. And then maybe once a month, you can start, take that out and put that stuff into some sort of log, mm -hmm. a data log. Other things that regarding pests, some important things that might help you in the future would be, when do you, are you starting to see this pest? When does this pest show up? Because next year you could be ready and you could start looking for it. Like, one really nefarious little bug is the squash bug, right? If you yeah. know when the squash bug is going to start showing up, you can go out and specifically start looking for it and start smashing those little guys before they get a foot onto your plants. They can get a couple little ones, you start killing them, and you can wipe them out before they get that reproductive cycle going and you can mm -hmm. outlast them. Just said deer for areas like Greg's. I had a deer experience recently. This is a really good one, actually. Uh -huh. uh, we planted about 150 fruit trees in the last 90 days here on the farm. I've been really busy right. and got a sore shoulder. And we planted one weekend, we planted six um, apples, plums, and peaches. Total of six plants, a mix of those. And I came out three days later and they'd been completely stripped clean. Oh, heartbreaking. Deers got them. And by the way, this happened the day before that we were planting another 30 of them in the ground. So all did of a sudden- Did you mark the date? I did. Actually, I didn't. Heidi did. Heidi did. <laughs> and so I called Scott and I said, oh my gosh, the deer stripped my plants. What do I do? And he came up with a solution. Literally uh -huh. a solution. A solution. A solution of cayenne pepper and garlic spray. And uh, I put that, I have my backpack sprayer. Takes me about 15 minutes to spray the whole thing. And while I was at it, I added fish and kelp emulsion and humic acid to the mix as well. Beautiful. And so the experiment that I did here was that not on purpose, I sprayed all the new trees except my mulberries because I didn't think they'd be interested in the mulberries. And the next day I came out and they'd eaten the mulberries, but they didn't touch any of the rest of the trees. So that tells me that the spray is working. You have tried something and it worked. And in three years from now, Am I gonna what, what if you don't remember the portions that you used? Or what if you don't mm -hmm. remember the recipe that you used? Or what if you don't know the name of the brand? You're like, gosh, I need to go back. What was the name of that? You know, who was it I even talked to? If you get in the habit of writing that stuff down, you can go back to it. I love being able to go back to my documents and find out who I talked to get some information mm -hmm. to be able to get more information because my brain is so full of so many little things that sometimes it's hard for me to find the data and being able to go back and get it. Yeah. Other things, when do I see the beneficial pests? Write down the dates. See, that's the best 
thing that you can try, that you can get in the habit of when you're seed journaling is the date that things are happening. Write down the date. Yeah, I did this on that date. If you can, what did you said? You started with a week at a time? I did. I started one one week on one page, Mm -hmm. Monday through Sunday. Yeah. And what I realized was, is that most of the days I wasn't writing anything down because I'm small time here. So I actually went to scratching out the day. And writing the date. And writing the date. And so now I'm filling one page might be three weeks worth of data. Raymond and Steph, my my buddy Ray, Mm -hmm. they printed off a calendar month without the dates, blank Mm. calendar. And they Mm -hmm. wrote down the dates and they do things like this day I watered, this day I foliared, this day I planted the starts, this day was the tomatoes, this day was the brassicas. And they could put stuff in and put down the watering and the fertilizing. And they got in the habit of reminding each other Hey, did you do that? Because it's about time. And Mm -hmm. they developed a really good habit. And now they've got all these Uh, sheets put uh, that they just go back to look at. That is cool. Other things that could help is maybe when and where you purchased your seeds. Mm -hmm. I just talked to a lady today. She knew that she had bought some seeds, but she forgot where she put them. Ah, I'm storing my seeds in the brown box in the back of the closet. If that's the kind of thing that's going to help, where did I put it? Yeah, it's put, yeah, you can put in there. What fertilizers do you use? When did you put the humic acid? When did you put the calcium? When did you put the fish emulsion? When did you put the whatever you use? Mm-hmm. Put it on the calendar. I used it then. That's good for me because when I go back out there to, to fertilize, I don't remember what the last thing I did was if, unless I go back and look at my notes. Yeah. I have way too much stuff flying through my brain to remember when I go back outside. I know I did something. I just don't remember when. I don't remember which one. If you use pesticides or if you don't use pesticides and you're trying to go organic, that kind of documentation is going to be really beneficial to certifying for organic. Because I know that you have to be not no pesticides for what, three years? Yep. Exactly. No pesticides for three years. And if you have records that show that you were applying these fertilizers, nope, no pesticides. Yet again, another month, 90 days, no pesticides, 100 days, no pesticides, three years, no pesticides. And you can log that you're those milestones. That'll Mm -hmm. help. That will help a lot. And that's actually needed when you're going for organic certification. I'm starting that process. The other thing though, is chemicals in general, fertilizers in general. For in that case, if they're not OMRI, O-M-R-I certified, they don't count. But you so can I mark to, that down. Yeah, exactly. You mark down. I bought this one. Yes to OMRI. Bought this one. Yes to OMRI. And you can record that. And it mm-hmm. will help you with your certification, um, especially for those of you that are trying to get organic designation of any sort. Now, starts, plant starts are really when you start them inside, when you start them outside, when you transition them, those that kind of information can really help feed your knowledge of what is the most successful. Mm-hmm. If you move them out and the temperature is this range 
and they don't do well, then the next year you might want to wait a little bit longer. If you, and temperature ranges of the soil and the weather outside, can if you log that kind of information, you can even get a download or copy what's available on your weather data. And okay, this is the data. Yep, yep, yep. And then you can go back and look at it because even if you know that you started on March 5th, and then you go back and look at the weather data for your area, you know what you've been working with. Now, I have heard Bill talk about this so much where you trying to find something that works. So if you get to a certain brassica plant that mm -hmm. works in the leftest corner of the Eastern garden, <laughs> and the one this and you plant the same seed and it doesn't do so well in the other corner of the other garden and you can mark that down and look i used the same seed and it worked really well over here so this is the one i'm saving and then you can try that the, the seeds from that one try those seeds in the same area and the area where it didn't work and then you can go yep these seeds work really good over here and they don't work over here or these seeds work no matter where they are. And they often tell you not to plant to, to potatoes, tomatoes and potatoes. I put them together, potatoes. Potatoes. In the same place tomatoes. every year. I would be lousy at that. I would totally yeah. forget that. Which ones are the ones you can't plant in the same place? Yeah. I, yeah, I know that it's there, but I never remember which ones they are. How much did you harvest? When did you start harvesting? We have the zucchini plant this one year. I This year, I had one zucchini plant out of six that just went gangbusters. And I was able to start harvesting. And I, if I missed one week, I had double the amount of harvest on or missed a couple of days. It wasn't even a week. That, that's the thing about nature. It's so incredibly abundant. Yeah. And if I record in my journal that I know that I planted it this week and I know that I was starting to get harvest then I can start paying attention because for me, and I'm I'm really hoping that I'm that people can relate to some of the struggles that I have with remembering some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I actually created a harvest calendar for our fruit trees purely for me. So I would know when to go out in my yard to start looking for the dang apples. Uh, that's why you created that. Nice. That's why I created it because I didn't know which one was going to go first. So I went and I did the research and I figured the, the apples are going to be coming this week and this particular peach is going to be coming that week and this particular palm is going to be coming that week. And I mapped it out for myself. And then I started comparing that to what I really had. And I can start keeping that data for my fruit trays. Mm -hmm. So what comes out of this is the desire to be prepared is what is motivating me to create my journals. So I'm putting, put it out to our audience right now. What is the thing that is the most challenging for you when you journal? So go ahead and throw something out there in the chat room. What are your biggest challenges? One of, for me, I realized that the word journal intimidated the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't journal. 
And I didn't put anything out there on when I started trying to journal because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to journal. I have to put all my emotions and what the sun was like and how many birds I saw. And I got myself into this headspace that just made it that I was going to fail no matter what. And I don't think that is where, I think that was what stopped me from journaling the first few years. So you, Greg, what is the thing that you like to get from our podcast guests that is supposed to help other people? The, the oh, we're destigmatizing something. Failures. But what is a failure? But an opportunity to show oh. where you're learning. Yep, exactly. Right? The failures are not something to stop you. There's something to help guide you in the future. Well, I'm a huge proponent of the people that fail a lot are much more rounded people and more resilient. Because we're not afraid and, of failure? And I have had a lot of failures in my life. But I just, and this is the reason I asked this question on the podcast is of our guests is to, to normalize that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to have a failure. And what I hear you saying is it might be good to write that stuff down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's so many things you can get out of your failure that you don't realize if you look at it in the right way, mm -hmm. if you mess up and you have a complete crop crit failure, if you recognize what the causes were, then you can, Avoid those steps the next time. You can also recognize that as you overcome it, that, you know what? It wasn't really a failure. It was just a learning lesson. Big deal. It could mm -hmm. be a fun story to share later. It could be a recognition of where the systems can be tweaked. You can start zeroing in to see what the big malfunction was to create it. And you might even have a combination of different ways to journal. And that's, what, I guess, my next point that I wanted to go into was how to journal. Mm -hmm. Because when we're trying to capture all this data, what do we do? Some people need to have this one little sheet. You just put, I watered today. I fertilized today. Yay, good start. And then you start doing that. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I Last week I planted some brassicas. What day was that? Okay, I planted my brassicas on this day. And if you keep it out in front of you, don't put it on a shelf. Don't put it behind your- Wherever. Anything. Don't put it behind anything. Keep it out in front of you. Keep it next to your chair where you sit at the evening. Yeah. I should write down the fact that Heidi soaked beet seeds starting two days ago and I planted them today. Yes. All right. Yes. Go in and say it. I soaked it. What did she, if you can just say she soaked it, but if you think about it, you can say she soaked it with a solution of, if you water. can remember that just water. water. Oh, um, we could have soaked it in heart. Couldn't we? You could have soaked it in heart. No. Okay. Heart is one of the humic acid supplements that we have available on our website and it can be used for seed starting. If you want to recognize how big your harvest is, how many items you have, Oh, you know what? Somebody that just said, Lisa said, my biggest challenge is capturing when I start harvesting something and keep track of the weight and quantity as I bring it in. Who's got ideas on how to track that? Yeah. 
Who's got ideas on how to track that? I don't recognize, I don't record the weight. I just don't. By the time mm -hmm. I've given it away, I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot how much I had. I can take pictures and I'll take pictures and I'll mark that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I harvested seven of those dumb things today. Can you I know? then weigh the picture and will that tell me how much I, yeah. you know what? I don't, for the most part, the times that I have recorded harvest weights like that is when I was selling it. So that big apple tree in the backyard at the urban farm yeah, in Phoenix, I harvested 180 pounds a few years ago from that tree and sold them. They got sold into one of our local food co-ops. And in looking at this process tonight, I planted over 100 elderberry plants in the ground. Uh -huh. And in two years, I'm going to be harvesting about 10 to 15 pounds of elderberries off of each bush. You so, do know that's one of my favorite berries, right? Okay, good. I do now. <laughs> I do now. And I'll be harvesting them to sell them. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to set up a system. You're going to have to set up a system. Yeah. Now, if you're going to be doing this for some sort of marketing, selling, some sort of compensation basis, then yeah, it is going to be important that you track those big things. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing it for that, you just want to keep it for your own record, then just pick a day. I'm like, you know what? Today I wanted, I got a really big group of harvest here. I'm going to harvest. And you can say collectively everything I got out of my garden today, put it in one basket, weigh it. Today I harvested 19 pounds worth of vegetables. So we need um, a scale for that then. You need a scale. Uh, put it good. someplace put it and if you're going to do that put a put a little label on your scale that says don't forget to journal this the little mm. sticks write it on a piece of paper and tape the paper to your scale put the weight in your journal or, or in your data log put it in the data log now i have tried different things and honestly the way that i journal has changed many times over the years because that's just who I am. Yeah. I have done those college journal books that, that are so prolific in all the stores, especially around school time, wide notes, not so wide notes, narrow notes, grids. They've all served me at different times. I have used a calendar. I've put things on just a calendar for a while and that worked really good for a while. There are some good garden journals. I bet you got one right now. Oh, I do have one right now. This is from our buddy, Kari Spencer. Oh, look at that. This is a uh, really cool garden journal from Kari Spencer. She's one of our friends in Phoenix. It's called Vegetable Gardening Journey Journal. It's also a journey. It's also a journey. Um, a weekly tracker and logbook. And the first third of the books talks about when to plant things and how to plant them and when to harvest them and how long to harvest. And then the last two thirds, it goes week of. So it goes by the week. And then there's quotes. Here's one of the quotes. So this says, use a planting calendar designed for your region to determine when to set out tomatoes, peppers, and other warm season vegetables. This is a cool one. You can get it online. It got published last year. and It's at uh, Great American Seed Up on our website, I believe. It is a yeah. great American seed up and you can also get it, I'm sure, at Amazon, but that's a good one. So Debbie says that she keeping a journal going is the struggle because she started many times. She's got the big events listed, 
the memorable things, the visitors. Oh, that's fun. When somebody visits your garden, you can write down when they showed mm. up. Events that get her smiling. See, and that's really, to just log the things that make you feel good might be the mm. way that you get started. Yeah, there you go. Dennis says to make notes uh, when it happens, usually say, Anyana. <laughs> Halima said, we made a note of how to water plants during the drought. It's going on two growing seasons twice a day. Yeah. If you don't have and you read about it, sometimes just writing it out in your journal, I'm going to start trying to do this, then maybe that's a trigger. And you can go back and look at it. You're like, wait, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, I'm going back a couple of weeks. This is what I'm doing. Sorry, that's how my brain works. And I am neuro spicy, heavy emphasis on the spicy part. And I find new ways of doing things. Are you familiar with that term, Greg? I'm not. On social media right now, there's a, a redefinition of how people who are not typical or the normal people that might yeah. be ADD or might be ADHD or might be autistic or might be, there's just a whole plethora of possibilities of how our brains might be a little bit different. We redefining and owning it as neurospicy mm -hmm. and it's oh. fun. Some of the things we learned from that and you can I'll get some it. great tools. Cool. One of the things that I do is I use my phone because of how much we do with all the work that we do. I live for my Google calendar and I started putting stuff on my Google calendar and recording stuff that way. And I actually have on my calendar, big don't forget to water today. Oh, uh, nice. And you can record stuff. You can, the, the technology around us, if you happen to be somebody who likes Siri or Alexa or something like that, hey, Alexa, record this journal day. I wonder if there's an app out there for garden journaling. If there isn't, there should be. Is if anybody using one now? Be. Oh, that's uh, a good question. Uh, Halima has got a couple other things here. She says... I journal by taking notes on the lid of my seed box. That's cool. That, that's a perfect place, especially if you're doing seed journaling, because that's where your dot, where your seeds are. Yeah, and, exactly. and a seed box is a, is a monthly service that she signed up for, I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, our friend and Pam and Tempe. When you have this kind of ideas that pop up to write them down someplace, I had a great one. I had a, a phrase that I had learned, and you might be learning this one, Greg, because I'll be using it. I actually wrote down this phrase that I learned when I'm working on something and I don't have an answer yet. Uh -huh. I'm going to be telling you that I am troubleshooting to the component level. All and right. that's going in my journal of, excuse me, that's going in my data log, right? At the moment, <laughs> I am troubleshooting to the component level on this particular process. Nice. I, if you are struggling with trying to get this into being a habit. Set small goals. Set a goal of doing just a week. Mm -hmm. When you get that week done, set a goal. And don't get mad at yourself if you don't do every day. Just do as much as you can in that week. And if you have to go back and do a couple of days to put some data in, then great. Set a small goal. And then once you get that week, you give yourself a happy face or whatever, go on to the next week. I like the happy face. Let's have that work for you. And honestly, our community is going to have wonderful suggestions because we've all been there. I like Dennis taking pictures of the plants on the trees 
or whatever, they have, if you allow your camera to do it, it will log the date and the time that you saw it. Yes. I've been doing monthly walks on my orchard to see how they it's been progressing. What's really cool with our phones nowadays, you can actually label your pictures. You oh, can go in and change the, the picture and give the picture a name. So you can say, this is the, this is my fall walk of the East Orchard. This is my spring garden. Especially if you go out to hit a garden and you just planted a whole lot of stuff and you're just, you know that you planted a bunch of different stuff because it was that time of the, the year and you're tired, take pictures. You'll remember and take pictures of the seed cards to tell you what seed it was, where you put mm -hmm. it. That's mm -hmm. an awesome way of journaling. And then email it to yourself if you have to. Yeah, nice. Yeah, All that's right. my ideas on journaling. I think it's a wonderful way to look back on things. Yeah. Any final thoughts? One, start, start small and find your successes. Mm -hmm. And two, find different ways. If the one that you're trying isn't working, try something else. Don't give up. Don't let the failures stop you. Hmm. I love yeah. it. I, I love it. I think we need to change the definition of that word. There are so many words in our dictionary that now mean something completely opposite. I think failure needs to be one of them. Okay. We should failure make a positive. Is a, failure is, a, is your future success. I like it. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for showing up. Thank you, Janice, for... This was great. I had no idea where it was going to go when we got started. And it, it's, wow. You are just a font of great information of ideas. I like doing, I like getting things done. Systems. Yeah. I like systems. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, everybody thanks for saying, letting me step in for Bill. Oh, you bet. Everybody's saying thank you. And thank you everybody for showing up. All right. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Thank thanks, Greg. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.